Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Arena Church, we love to get into a short series. It helps us hugely. We work that through the ministry team. We draw people in. Uh, even even during uh, as in the summer as we've drawn uh, additional preachers in, we've had a thread which was summer in the Psalms. And so we'll be moving into a theme as we uh, embrace uh, uh, the early autumn and these important weeks. But this morning is, is sort of like a one-off message that uh, I want, by God's grace, just to set us up for the next season. Um, it may be, as Josh says, that this is your first time here this morning. And just to say that I, I'm Phil, I'm one of the pastors in Arena. Our lead pastor, Christian, who you saw on video, is at Mansfield this morning, as you'd understand, uh, just with the folks there. And uh, in the light of all that, that takes place and the challenges that we face, um, we're believing that God wants to do something amazing as we go forward. And I'm glad that we belong to a church that wants new people to come. It wants people to get saved. It wants people that have lost the faith to, refight, to, to find it again. And for this to be a community uh, that is a force to be reckoned with. And uh, this morning, uh, you may be here. It may be that you've not yet come to faith. Uh, and you might just, as Josh says, be navigating it all. Seems our folks get a bit pumped. The only thing we get pumped about is that we are ordinary people that have been changed by an amazing God. You know, people get pumped about goals going in the back of the net. People get pumped by tries being scored. People get pumped by people running around a track fast. And nobody says, well, why are they getting excited? And the fact of the matter is, friends, the, the problem with the church is that people have gone for life and often found death. Nobody's pumped. Nobody's excited. Nobody really sort of believes in God. So we make no apology this morning in a reasonable sort of way, in a time-honouring way. We're not going to be here till six o'clock. But in the way time we've got to give God praise. There's no mistake in it. God's real. We believe him. And we love to give praise to him. We love to pray. We love to pray over needs. We love to press through in faith. And just for a few moments, we're going to share from the Bible because we believe that the Bible is not just an ancient book, but it's a present book. In fact, it's a book of prophecy. It speaks into our preferred future. And if you'll just have your heart this morning open to God, you may be cynical, you may be sceptical, you may be doubtful, you may be disbelieving, but God can come this morning and spark something in your life that changes you forever. And for those of us that are on the journey, this is also a message, I believe, for you. And if you'll just receive it this morning, then God will bless your life. Kev, open the meeting by saying, guys, I wonder if you'll stand to your feet. And here's the title of the message this morning. These feet are made for walking. Where is Kev? I didn't know he was a prophet, but there we go, you know. Uh, Don't worry, I'm not going to take my shoes and socks off and go all weird, but, um, but we're going to talk this morning prophetically and naturally about the fact that we are made and called to make progress. Now, if you're as old as me, you can remember this song, Nancy Sinatra. It goes back to 1966, 67. You know, I was only 11 at the time. You know, I'm not that old, you know, but, but there's the song. And, uh, and uh, no G. So if you listen to Steve Wright in the afternoon on Friday after four o'clock, serious jocking, there's no G. These feet are made for walking. And the reality is, that's the prophetic call this morning, friends, to the church. Now, here's the two verses, one from the Old Testament 
and one from the new as we put them up this morning. Got it? There we go. So 2 Chronicles 16, 12 in the Old Testament says, in the 39th year of the reign of King Asa, he was afflicted with disease in his feet. And then Romans 10, 15 uh, which is speaking about being declarers of the gospel, preachers. We know there's preaching from here, but the word also means herald. So in there's a sense where we can all be declarers of the gospel. And this verse is taken also from the prophetic book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. So King Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. And how beautiful are the feet of those that bring us news. I'm going to try and make sense of this. And uh, I'm going to try and just inspire this morning to recognise again that the church is called to be a beautiful feet movement. It's called to be a group of people that advance and move forward in God. Probably if we just go back to the title, Chris, and then we'll move on. And, uh, and uh, that's where we're going this morning. In this next season... In these 15, 16 weeks up to the end of the year. I nearly said that word, but I'll just, I'll just pull it. I'll just pull. It's an important time. It's not a time for going to sleep. It's not a time for lying in a hammock. It's not a time at gazing at the cloudless skies. We've had all that. June and July, what a summer. But look at it, it's raining. And there are people, friends, that need God's. Uh, And we need to give ourselves again to what God wants to do in this next season. Now, I don't have time this morning, but if you go home and you read 2 Chronicles 14, 15 and 16, you'll read about King Asa. You might say, well, what's that got to do with me? The Bible says in Romans 15 and 4 that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurement and hope, uh, endurement and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. In other words, everything that was written past is meant to speak into presence. And so the Bible says in those verses that Asa started off as the king of Judah really well. Chapter 14, 1 says, and he did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. In fact, under Asa's rule, he brought reformation. And I would even say revival to the lands. You read it. He knocked down the false gods. It even meant some implications with his family in doing that. And he made some big calls in honouring God. But by the time, and for 41 years he reigned as, as king. But by the time we get to chapter 16, the Message Bible opens up with a but. But in the 36th year of the reign of Asa, and it begins to describe what took place. And for whatever reason, Asa began to allow compromise to come into his life. He began to start making alliances with kings that worship false gods. He began to say, let's work together. And the Bible says that we're not to be conformed to this world. I love the thought this morning that we're not to listen to the voices of this world, friends, that run contrary to the voice of the Spirit of God. And he began to compromise. And the Bible says that he, the more he went into the reign of the nation, the less he relied upon God. And in verses 79 of chapter 16, a prophet came along and gave him a warning that it would have an implication upon his reign. And he completely 
dismissed it. Chapter 16 and verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those who are fully committed to him. It's still true. Not literalized, but God is raging through the earth, friends, looking for those whose hearts are still committed fully to him so that he will strengthen them. And I believe that the eyes of God, friends, are locked onto Arena Ilkeston this morning because I believe that he's finding a people that are fully committed to him. And if we will stay fully committed to him, he will strengthen us. And the Bible says that even when we feel weak, we can be strong. It doesn't make sense, but you know that it works. And so Atra began to treat the ways of God lightly. Let me just say this carefully. I want to say, friends, that if we do things in our life that are contrary to what God wants for us, he sees it. He sees it. And if you are serious about following God, there needs to be some shifts and changes in your life. The Bible calls it repentance. Going this way and repenting and going in the opposite direction to it. Maybe that's you this morning. In the 39th year of his reign, we get the verse that Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. It was a disease that was severe. And the Bible says that even when he was afflicted with this problem in his feet, he still didn't seek the Lord. It was natural. But there's a spiritual and prophetic application this morning to all of this, friends. Because here's the truth. Every one of us, we were singing this morning, it all starts with Jesus. Every one of us and our church has a temptation the longer we go on the journey to get less reliant upon God. We'll sort it. We'll deal with it. We'll live for it. And all of a sudden, we realise without noticing that we've got diseased feet. You see, in a church, we need administrators. Boy, do we need administrators in these days. GDPR, safeguarding, health and safety, risk assessment. We've got some fantastic administrators in, a, in arena. And the phrase I like to use in Corinthians 12 says that, that it's a gift of administration. That administration adds to ministry. But administration can never determine ministry because that's the apostolic prophetic call that sits on the church. Administrators don't bring the vision to the church. They fuel the vision. And too many denominations, friends, are now led by administrators. They can sort it all out. They can dot every I. They can cross every T. But the thing's going nowhere. And then politicians, and it may be politicians, the way that I've described them is they know what to say and how to put things. And we have people in our church that are involved in local politics. But I want to say, friends, we can never listen to the political voice at the expense of the prophetic voice. And when the prophet Hanani gave the prophetic word to Asa in chapter 16, the Bible says that Asa put him in prison. Here's what happened when a church stops relying on God, they imprison the prophetic voice. They don't want to hear God anymore because God will spoil it. God will stir it up. God will challenge it. God will speak into his preferred future. 
Well, we just want to be Christians, Lord. We don't want you coming along and spoiling it. And I release the prophetic voice over arena today again in Jesus' name. However it comes, however it comes, I release it again in Jesus' name. And then, of course, churches and Christians that stop relying on God become settlers and not pioneers. Oh, we've got a nice church. Oh, everybody knows everybody. If you know everybody in this church, that's not good. Sociologists have said it's impossible for you to build relationships beyond 50 or 60 people. And we've got churches all over the country saying, oh, isn't it nice? Everybody knows each other. You are confessing 50 people. If you're wanting the pastor to know everybody in the church, let's forget prayer for a moment. Sociologists tell us it's impossible for somebody to really pastor beyond 120 people. So if you want the pastor to know everybody's issues in the church, you're saying, well, well, we want 120. Nice church. I want to tell you, friends, it's not arena church. We are seeing thousands. We are seeing prodigals being restored. We are seeing multiple campuses. We are seeing an influence in the East Midlands and beyond. We are seeing other nations. Because there's a pioneering spirit. And as long as you've got Christian Thorpe as your lead pastor, we ain't settling for anything. What was the disease? Well, it could have been a dermatology issue. It could have been vascular. It could have been joints. It could have been a broken foot. I don't know. It could have been a metatarsal. I never knew what that was until David Beckham had one all those years ago. (laughs) And then everybody seemed to be breaking the metatarsal. (laughs) But here's the truth. Whatever the problem with his feet, it affected balance, poise, stability and progress. We have people in arena. Please listen to this carefully. We have people in arena that have come to church this morning that have challenges with their mobility. When Sharon and me go shopping, when? Being the... I said, you're just going there. I'm in Nottingham. I'm just watching people go by. I start to count the number of wheelchairs that come past me. And then I start to ask, I wonder, how, I wonder what time that mum had to, mother had to get up this morning to get that little lad ready. And we're going through all these things, you know. You'd be surprised how many people's mobility is compromised. So I want to say to people this morning that have made the effort to come, even though uh, there's an unsteadiness about your feet naturally, that we honour you and you are part of the beautiful food foot movements we have people coming in wheelchairs they've come again this morning we honor them in Jesus name but here's the truth if your feet and your legs are in pretty good order you need to look after them and you need to use them because these feet are made for walking there was a report earlier this year in the press that said British people are now walking 20% less than 10 years ago And it went on to say that in society, we have an, in quotes, inactivity epidemic. I could go there. (sighs) I won't. And you might not yet be up to 10,000 steps a day, you know, which is five miles, by the way. It's no mean feat. But we are made to move, made to move. 
Let me just say that in the Western church, spiritually, we have an inactivity epidemic. It's you're the pastor, you're the minister, you do it, and we'll watch. In Arena Church, it's that we know God, we find freedom, we discover our purpose, and we make a difference. All of us, all of us, all of us. If we're just leaving it to one or two... We have an inactivity epidemic in the church. We'll never get the job done. You will touch people this week I'll never get to. And as you go towards them physically and spiritually, you can make a difference. Now, I got, can we just have that photo up, Chris? Yeah, there he is. I got to this granddad thing pretty, you know, I was on the other side of 60. And so one of the things that motivates me to keep walking is that I still want a game of football and cricket with, with Caleb. And uh, he's starting to walk now. And, uh, and maybe the girls will join in as well. You know, I mean, who knows that we need some batsmen for England cricket team, you know. <laughs> and there he is. And uh, seriously, you know, Grandad, can we play football? Oh, no, I don't want to be bothered. Go and play on your own. I want to be in the garden with him. I want to keep moving. And spiritually speaking, there are lots of babies that have still got to be discipled and got to grow up. And we've got to have our feet working and moving to help them come to maturity. Ain't it lovely? We'll move on. Yeah, okay. And so we come again, Lord Jesus, this morning to you because you're the great foot doctor. We come to the holy podiatrist, chiropodist. We ask that, Lord, this morning you will cleanse the skin of our feet, you will heal our joints, and you will renew our circulation so that we might be a beautiful feet movement that walks forward in your purposes and plans. Got five things, don't worry, I'm just going to rat-a-tat-tat through them. They're going to come on the screen. But five characteristics of a beautiful feet movement. Number one, feet of humility. Feet of humility. John 13, 5, it says that Jesus stooped down and began to wash the disciples' feet. They didn't get it. Oh, if you're going to wash me feet, you might as well wash me all over. It's all right, you're talking like that. You're going to deny me. Woo! And there was something about what he did, friends, that reflected the base foundation of Christian living and Christian church. It's humility. I really want to talk about it. I want some folks to live it. And here's a definition of humility. It's the noble choice to forgo your status and deploy your resource and use your influence for the good of others before yourself. Why not more feet washers in the church? Where are they? Because it's often unseen and unappreciated. Those of you at work down at the hub washing feet. Oh, we're not literally washing. Well, maybe I've literally washed a few feet. But serving meals, praying for people, preaching the gospel, running. You know, sometimes there's not a pat on the back saying you're great. There's bad language. There's the world revolves around me. There's do, 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 do. And still you're turning up. It's incredible. And the, the washing of feet, feet, friends, goes again and again and again. I found leaders that no longer want to wash people's feet. Oh, they've become apostles. They've become above it. They're giving off vibes that they don't like people anymore. 
They've disqualified themselves for ministry. Leaders are servants and servants are leaders. It's as simple as that. There's no echelons. There's no pastor so-and-so being better than somebody in the church. We're all in this together. And somebody says that you cannot be missional without being sacrificial. If we want to reach this area, friends, it's going to cost us. And we walk with feet of humility. Number two, feet of sensitivity. Galatians 5.25. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This means that the Holy Spirit that dwells in us will never take us down a route that is contrary to the Word of God. Now, in your self-will, you can still go down the wrong route, but please, don't tag God on. Because He's not sent you there. The Holy Spirit... And the word of God work in beautiful, beautiful harmony. I've tried to counsel and share with some people at times. Say, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. Well, God's told me. He hasn't. He hasn't. It's the willfulness of your heart that is determining that course of decision. So sensitivity, keeping in step with the spirit. We're not talking about legalism here. We're not talking about wrapping yourself up in a, in a holy cotton ball that never relates to people that aren't Christians. But I want to tell you, friends, there might be occasions where you're in a context and you're going to have to walk away from it. Because the Spirit of God started to say something in here. There may be a weekend with those guys that you're not going to be able to commit to because the Spirit of God starts to say to you, this is what's going to happen when you go to Malaga for four days. It's not going to do you any good. And those that are sensitive to the Spirit will keep in step with the Spirit. Number three, feet of bravery. Ephesians 6.15, that our feet would be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Ephesians 6, those of you that know the Bible will know that this is a context of spiritual warfare. So when we become Christians, we come into a family, we come into a body and we come into an army. And there'll be things that seek to work against you. And there are three words that come through that passage. Number one, we are to stand. Then we are to be strong. And then we are to speak. Speak the word. The word there is not logos, it's rhema. A specific word for a specific situation. And I believe in the power of confession. I know that it's been taken to an extreme. Confession doesn't create something. Confession confirms something. It confirms something. So when the enemy comes to your life and says that you are less than what God says you are, the word of God as a rhema comes back to him and confesses what you are. I am who you say I am. Bravery. Let's put to, uh, to bed forever this thought that being a Christian means you've got to sign up to being a wimp. I'm glad that we've got lots of blokes in arena church. It's a real wimp for us. So if a bloke comes to the church, he doesn't have to come to a lifeboat. Women and children first. You know, think, good grief, where's all the guys? We've got blokes left, right and centre all across this room that work in the hurly-burly of, of the real world. That hear language they'd rather not hear. That hear comments about the opposite sex that they'd rather not hear during the week. They're all here this morning. They love Jesus. They're here this morning. 
And I use the men, not at any expense of the ladies, because you find yourself similarly challenging contexts. Warfare contexts. There are odds with the faith. And God says, I'm not trying to take you out of it. I'm trying to take you through it. If you're where on your feet, the gospel that comes from the preparation of peace. Number four, feet of clarity. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Humphrey Davy was a Cornish chemist that invented the Davy lamp. It was particularly successful in mining uh, contexts because it had the ability to detect poisonous gases before they were ignited. And you can imagine the catastrophe of that. Sadly, it's happened on occasions underground. We've got Gordon Sloper with us that used to be in mine rescue. And uh, Gordon would talk about some of the challenges of this. And I want to say, friends, that uh, in terms of natural context, we saw those guys in Thailand the other week that were trapped in the deliverance. I'm all for deliverance but I'd rather have avoidance. We've got people in this room this morning that have been delivered from alcohol. They've been delivered from drugs. They've been delivered from lifestyles that they're not saying, you know what, let's every one of us have a go at that to prove it doesn't work. They're asking you to avoid those things, to not go there, to have the Davy lamp of your spirituality detecting the poisonous gases that seek to want to impact your life and it shines up and gives you protection. That's what the Word of God does, and the Word of God gives you illumination. Don't worry, we're not going to sing it, but this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Good grief, we used to sing that in church. But a little light can make an awful difference in the dark. It really, really can. And then finally, feet of victory. Joshua 10, 24, Joshua says, so they came forward and he says, place your feet on their necks. I don't have time to open it up, but it were five kings that had been defeated and it was a symbolic sign in Old Testament times where symbolism was very powerful that when they put their foot on the neck, they had won the victory. Here's the question this morning. What do you need to put your foot on the neck of and know that you've killed it? And ladies, I'm not talking about your husband. You know. <laughs> What do you need to put your foot on this morning? So you know what? You've tried to trip me up. You've tried to bring me down. But this morning, my foot is putting it on your neck and you are defeated forever. That habit, that thing that treats you up, that thing that causes you to feel shame when Jesus says, when the word of God says there's no condemnation to those in Christ, that thing that stops you being prevailing and advancing, that thing that stops you coming into the fullness of your gift in the body of Christ. This morning, your foot's on its neck. It's defeated in Jesus' name. We send you out in victory in the name of the Lord. Dr. Billy Graham, whose life came to an end earlier this year and we celebrated, said this. He says, the greatest sound of praise is the sound of feet seeking out the lost and the hopeless. I close with two final Bible verses in Joshua. In Joshua 3, 4, it says, you're going to have to, the challenge was, you're going to have to rely on me because you are now about to go away where you've never been before. Arena Church, we love the old ways. 
We love what God's already done. But the prophetic, beautiful feet movement of God's people is that God's forever going to take us somewhere where we've never been before. We're going to have to be wholly reliant upon him, saying, God, if you don't show up, we're we're sunk. If you don't do it, we're never going to make the breakthrough. You've got to come. You've got to show us. We'll work step by step with you. And not only the challenge, but the promise. Joshua 1.3. I will give you every place where you set your feet. Debbie's been doing some prayer walking. Debbie, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Everywhere you set your feet in your community, keep doing it. Keep believing prodigals are going to get saved. People are going to come back to God. Maybe as we come to the dark night so nobody can see it on your street and they won't think you're weird. How about once a week walking up your street saying, God, you've given us this place. You've given us this for the kingdom. How about some of us literally putting it into action? You'll get near your 10,000 steps. You'll keep fit. You'll be blessed. And God will do an amazing thing in your heart. Every place where you set your feet. But I tell you, a static church, a church that's got diseased feet, a church that's lost its poise and mobility and forward advance, it's not going to embrace that promise. It's just going to be satisfied with where it's at. Status quo, staying poor, nice time. Pastor wanting you to know everyone. It's not going to go, friends. This church has got more on it than that. It's got a prophetic mandate. And I speak out to this church again this morning that we will in no way carry diseased feet, but we'll be the beautiful feet movement that declares good news. As we go into the autumn, friends, come on, Arena Church. You step this morning with your feet into making Jesus your saviour. You step this morning into making Jesus the Lord of your life. This week, as we go from this church into the context that God has placed us, every place where your feet treads, in that school, both as a student and as a teacher, in that office, in that hospital world, on that building site, driving that van, driving that bus, in that depot, in that friendship group, belonging to that social network, part of that sports team, wherever God is taking you, your street, your town, your area, walking with beautiful, beautiful feet. It's the sound of the church, friends. Their feet are made for walking. Let's get moving.